welcome to Savage Minds. I'm your host, Julian Vigo. Today's guest is Sal Grover, the founder and CEO of the female-only social networking app, Giggle. Prior to a startup career, Sal was a screenwriter in Hollywood, writing unproduced rom-coms about strong yet flawed women who realize they don't need a man. Sal recently welcomed a daughter, making the fight for women's and girls' rights much more personal to her. I welcome Sal Grover to Savage Minds. Just now, you were talking to me about a male sex offender in a women's prison in the UK, but I find this very cis-heteronormative of you because how do you know he's male? I mean, have you done the genital inspection that, you know, all women carry out, of course, if you read social media? <laughs> um, yeah, well... <laughs> It's so whenever they say that it's, as sort of this gotcha argument, it would be like, well, how do you know anyone's trans? I mean, how do you know anything? If you think that you have to inspect genitals or you have to, you, or, or chromosomes or genetic testing, all the crap that they say, how do you know it's a woman or how do you know it's a male? Um, it, how do you know that someone's trans then? But also you know they know who a woman is because it's who they're desperately trying to emulate. So it's just pure gaslighting. They completely know. And yes, there's, it's actually in Australia, not the UK. There's a male sex offender in a woman's prison in Australia right now. And just every person we are contacting to try and get something done about it, it's just, you know, it's just falling on deaf ears. We're, we're, I'm, I mean, I've, I've actually been blocked by politicians on Twitter over this issue politicians like elected government officials blocking citizens on twitter because you're trying to get a male sex offender out of a woman's prison it's just it's just nonsense if you've watched the latest or uh, the first show of the season with john stewart he's gotten on board with this bullshit and i'll be honest with you he was someone who sort of saved my mind in the years post 9 11 while my yeah. country went to war illegal wars not declared wars by the senate i mean we've just bypassed since vietnam every single constitutional must but that aside he was the person that sort of kept me afloat with all the bullshit media. I was such a John Stewart fan. I mean, I used to I used, actually when I lived in the States, I used to um I used to like <laughs> watch him like while I was in the bath. They would have like my TV just there and I would have a bubble bath and drink whiskey and smoke a cigarette and watch John Stewart. That was like a routine I had. Um, yeah, I was such a huge fan. Um, so if you were to, if someone was to tell me that I would be siding with Matt Walsh on this issue and not John Stewart, I, I would never have believed you. But you, it, one of the frustrating things is sort of these two guys like this are sort of just desperately trying to make this a left versus right issue. And it's one of my things that I'll critique Matt Walsh on until the cows come home because um, what is a woman is not a left right issue it's just the answer is an adult human female so the, these men who are trying to politicize it for their own popularity their own profit or whatever it is um it's actual real women who are paying the price of this so it's just so in one sense someone like matt walsh is helping and i don't mind someone getting popular and profiting off of you know just doing good work i have no problem with that but while he, someone like him is out there spreading the word of, of what's happening and telling everyone that how absolutely 
fucking crazy everything currently is. Um, he's he's really framing it as this like own the libs kind of way, and you're like, yeah, they're saying stupid stuff, but it, it's it just where does that get us? Like we're just we're just going to sit there and fight amongst each other. That's why I used to go like, do you actually want a solution here, or is this like a fun mudslinging match for you? And then for John Stewart to join the fight. Um, where he has a parent, like, it feels like all he's read of, on this issue was written in crayon on a napkin. He, I, I it, like, I'm fine if somebody has a different opinion to me on an issue. I'm not cool if somebody in a position of influence weighs in on, on an issue and they are uneducated to do so. Because either John Stewart and his team, so he has a team of writers and writers on shows like his are usually young, like straight out of Ivy League school type writers. So that's where well, like, you know, he would be being influenced from. Um, when you have um, that he, he, he hasn't himself gone, okay, like you want me to do a show about what is a woman? Let me just get the basics before we go into this. And like, I don't know, fucking Google. <laughs> Like a dictionary, because he he did the whole definitions thing. Well, they weren't definitions; they were t- they were just stupid examples from throughout history of misogyny of but from people who clearly knew what a woman was. Because otherwise, who are we talking about? So he never actually said the definition of a woman. He just highlighted misogyny and then added to it. And so I just, yeah, it's really really disappointing. I'm at the point where I just like. Yeah, who do you trust? Who do you believe on this issue? I, I, I don't know. I hear you. It's I haven't yet watched it. I only watch clips, and every time I sit down to watch it, either my kids are with me, and you know, to quote my daughter, "Mommy, why are you always writing about men in dresses?" So no, I don't <laughs> want to expose her to that anymore. Or I have a thing that my daughter's first words are going to be trans women are men. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. I literally think she's just going to be like a toddler and she's just going to blurt it out. And I'm like, oh, there, there you go. I've been doing this for a decade. And when I first started, I was warned. I was told by this lesbian activist feminist in the UK in London, in a bar during gay pride, I had what is called pregnancy rhinitis. Never had Mm. it in my first two pregnancies, but basically I was coughing uncontrollably for a few weeks. It was so bad. Even that night in pride, it started to subside a bit, but it wasn't great. But she kept telling me, I remember coughing and she was talking about the trans lobby in the UK. She was talking about certain elected councillors who were trying to overturn women's rights, who were in fact men, in, in frocks, as she put it. And I just thought, she's a little drunk. I think she's exaggerating. <laughs> you know, like I thought I did. Yeah. And yeah. then she called me and we met up and she told me more. Part of me would never cave in because I, coming from academia, also having seen queer theory early on, mm-hmm. I worked in it, I've written on it, I've taught it not mm-hmm. this crap that's not in fact people say judas but she didn't even her book gender trouble had to do with the performativity of gender because the performativity of gender is the only way gender exists i wrote my doctoral thesis on this in fact a critique of her later book bodies that matter whereas where she sort of crept in the transformative mm-hmm. nature of these surgeries hormones without saying it explicitly 
But there's a great Cuban writer, Severo Sardui. He wrote a book called La Simulación, and I think it's translated into English, but he talks about how the only woman who can do the hypermujer, the hyperwoman, is the transvestite on stage, lip-syncing Miriam Makeba. I'm sort of quoting from him. But it's a really great look at how femininity by you, me, men on stage, whatever, even men on the street, is performative. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine to acknowledge that it's an, it's an archetype because that's what it is. I mean, that's what Simone de Beauvoir was talking about. But what these men are doing is they say, well, Simone de Beauvoir said anyone could become a woman. Remember? One is not born, but becomes a woman. Yeah. It's a quote taken completely out of context. Yes. They don't read the paragraph before or after that, that quote. Right. Because it's longer than a tweet. So they can't. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they've completely misinterpreted the point. They've reversed it, actually. She was not saying anyone can become a woman, go become one. They were, she was saying that girls are groomed into becoming women. Finito. I mean, it's very clear what yeah. she was saying. And so, what we're up against is a lobby. As I spoke recently with Michael Biggs on the show, mm-hmm. and he and I were in the States doing graduate work at around the same time. He and I came into the same arguments. We saw the same rises in the disappearance of feminist studies or the twinning of feminist studies with gender studies. And we saw this happening. We were very sympathetic to the idea, well, gender studies at the time and queer studies was about gay. It was not about anything else. It was gay. The name queer was used in the same way that the N-word is used by rappers in the 90s to sort of re-empower them to take that word back. The same thing with queer, because queer was Mm -hmm. a, a word that was used more prevalently in the UK than in the US. But it was a word that was used derogatorily to refer to gay men. Now, skip to... The fact that now we're in the throes of what is clearly a social contagion. Lisa Littman has worked on ROGD amongst children. And I spoke to her about this, even though it's not her specialty working with adults. But I suggested that it's not just children where there's social contagion. It's everywhere. Because when you get down to self-ID and look at what's just happened in Scotland, Anyone can say they're trans. You can transition Monday, detransition Tuesday, do it again and again, cha-cha-cha. These words are meaningless. And and it it harkens back to the problems with how the notion of gender identity was formed in the midst of the most repressive, sexually repressive, woman repressive era in American history of the 20th century. That is the 1950s. As I said to someone the other day, the 1960s didn't come from nowhere. So we had a very repressive decade. Post-war, the beginning of the atomic age, you had all sorts of paranoia going on within the American public. People were digging bomb shelters in their backyards, convinced that the Russians were going to come and attack. You had people practicing what to do in case of nuclear war. And women were given blenders, toasters, and washing machines because they were being told to return home from the jobs that they had taken from the men. The men are back girls, get back in the kitchen. So this was all happening. Of course, science was in the throes of trying to prove itself. You had advances in endocrinological medicine. You had advances in plastic surgery right at that time. So what better thing to do than to tell a man who wants to identify as all in quotes, as a woman, that 
they can fix that. Because I asked Michael Biggs, why wasn't the solution just, you know, I, I joked on Twitter yesterday that I want to open a gender clinic in my home. Any man who thinks he's a woman, come and clean my house, please. Because I'll, I guarantee you that I'm going to have the transitioners by dinner. No, I completely agree. I mean, we're just not seeing men who identify as women doing the really unglamorous parts of fem- femininity, are we? I mean, they're just not cooking and cleaning and taking the, you know, the burden of unpaid labor and, and all of that. And, um, you know, that has historically for you know, all of time been put on women. Um, they don't, they don't, they're not women. They're just what the pornified versions of femininity. And it's just becoming clearer and clearer by the day. I mean, I remember when I first got into this, that you were saying when you first heard about it and like, gosh, don't we wish all lesbians were listened to 10, <laughs> 20 years ago, we would be in such a different position right now. Um, but when, I mean, I, when I, I was first, um, when this was brought to my attention, I mean, I'm a relative late comer to it. It was February, 2020. And I, at the very beginning, you know, you want to be really polite because I'm a polite person and I'm, I'm a pretty much a live and let live person. So like when I was thinking and like when we were like doing development of the company and everything and we were talking and I was like, you know, like sure trans women can come on because I just heard in the background of society, you know, sort of thing of like, oh, you know, be inclusive. And I was like, yeah, cool. And, you know, this is a tiny minority of people. And I was like, yeah, I've no doubt. And so I was thinking we were talking about like maybe one a month would want to come on. You know what I mean? Like it was just such like a, like a, like just a, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it basically. Never in my wildest nightmare did I think that there was just this shift in society happening where we're just supposed to believe that men are women. And if you say more obviously no, then you're a raging bigot. Um, it, it is without a doubt the most misogynistic thing I'm going to say ever because I th- I've thought a lot about this and I'm like, you know, women weren't allowed the right to vote. We weren't allowed to do anything. But at least they knew who the fuck we were. I mean, because if those will all get taken away as well, that like you watch, if, if we were to let this happen and just, you know, they take away like female-only spaces, they take away female support, female language, and you take away female language and then you wait to how quickly something where like, you know, the, even though the language would be different, but we would not have the ability to have bank accounts. We could become property against second class citizens so quickly. Um, I just. Yeah, I. I but some, there's a part of me that thinks like, wow, like I can't believe it took men this long to realize this is how easy it was <laughs> to take away our rights. Like, wow, that, they really are that stupid. But I mean, it just, yeah, I, I, I yeah, when I, at the beginning, I try, I really did. I tried to be polite. I have no more politeness left in me. None whatsoever. It was at the beginning of this year when I had the human rights complaint against me and my company, it was upheld by the Australian human rights commission. And then, you know, I was taken to federal court. Fortunately, the man he thinks is a woman withdrew the case because he knew he would lose. But I, all niceties and politeness went out the window there. So I was like, no, I really tried. And that's where it led me. So now I'm just going to tell it how it is. And I'm only speaking the truth. 
Could you back up and just explain what happened? Because the Australian yeah. Human Rights Commission, a taxpayer-funded organization, pursued yes. you for making a business decision based on biological reality. Yes. You created an so, app for females and were the yes. target of this transgender activist who decided that you were being bigoted and not allowing this male to use yeah. the social networking platform that you had created uniquely for females. Yes. So basically, that's exactly what happened. So basically, like to give a little bit of context to it, because it is kind of an interesting um, thing, like now, like in hindsight, when I've had to go and piece it all together, because obviously, like whenever, like September last year, when I would have blocked this man from being on the app, to me, it was just like, oh, because there's sometimes thousands a day. I mean, it just, you know, it wasn't something that I remembered it, but I had to, because of the human rights complaint, I had to go and piece it all back together. And so it's now become like the most memorable user or potential user of the whole app. But so basically this 54 year old man who claims to be a woman um, has had the, his legal documentation changed to, um, to female, apparently the birth certificate says female. And, you know, which is a nightmare in and of itself that you can have a legal fiction like that. Um, and anyway, he is kind of notorious in Australia a little bit, at least amongst the feminist circles. He's watching us all the time. I mean, I didn't know this until the human rights complaint had happened, but he was complaining relative women in general. He's really just, he, he just doesn't like, like, like women who don't accept him as a woman. Um, and really does try to make life just a little bit more annoying for them all. So in January, I got the notice from the Australian Human Rights Commission that we had a human rights complaint against the company and me personally um, for gender identity discrimination. And so I got, I got a, a lawyer involved immediately. And because so, you know, I had to like, you know, I had basically this person's name, Roxy Tickle. Um, so I went back like through like, you know, obviously I can like look for past users or anything to see who it was and I saw their picture and I was like well, this is just a picture of like you know because to get on the app you have to take a selfie to say to show whether you're a man or woman um which is used to be the most uncontroversial thing you could say is you could tell if it was a man or a woman by looking at them but anyway apparently it's now so controversial it's ridiculous um but I saw the picture and I, I saw a man and I'm right. <laughs> I, it is a picture of a male um, person and you know, not even somebody who was performing femininity in any way, like not someone who was like a male who was wearing makeup and had styled hair or anything like that. It was just a male in a t-shirt. So I had not only did I not know anything about this individual's gender identity, they didn't tell give anything away on that. So I couldn't possibly have discriminated based on gender identity. I discriminated based on sex, which I'm legally allowed to do because I have a specific um, legal aim to do it. Um, anyway, so basically I could have had a thing called conciliation with him and for, to, to be resolved and basically dismissed from the Human Rights Commission, I would have had to have agreed to let him and all men who claim to be women onto the app and to change how like basically to moderate how women speak on the app so not to offend them so basically you know just women couldn't talk about our rights or ourselves anymore um and then I also had to go to education classes on sex and gender and so I said a big 
absolutely no way to all of this, knowing that if I said no to it, um, he could potentially take a like file in federal court. Um, and he had 60 days to do that. And he did it on the at literally like five minutes to 5 p.m. on the 60th day. So he waited until the very end um, to do it, just to drag it out, you know, just it's just ridiculous. And so we got a really great barrister. She's just amazing. We got her on board straight away. And she's like she's a barrister in Australia who's very, very eager to get the gender identity clause out of the Sex Discrimination Act here. Because basically in Australia, so we have the Sex Discrimination Act and we do have provisions in there for single sex spaces and they're still completely legal in Australia. However, there is this gender identity clause within the Sex Discrimination Act that just essentially muddles it because you're just kind of like, well, what does it mean? You know what I mean? It's just. I would argue that having a gender identity clause in the Sex Discrimination Act is discrimination to sex. I, I, it doesn't make sense. It just shouldn't be there at all. Um, because you know, someone's gender identity, if they have one, if they want to have one, I think of it as like a soul type thing in a religion. It's not my business. I don't have to believe it. No one can make me believe it. I'm never, I've, I'm too educated on it now. I'm never going to believe it. I've seen the evidence. And so I am. Um, so, yeah, so basically our barrister was very eager to just go all in with the case and go after it constitutionally and, and you know, not just respond to a, a you know, run of the mill uh, gender identity discrimination thing. It was like, no, let's use this opportunity to get this clause out of the law and maintain female spaces in Australia. And then he withdrew. <laughs> so we didn't get to go and do it. And if you had gone to court, would that have had a knock-on effect within the law? Yeah, it would have cemented female-only spaces and sport, for that matter, in Australia. Australia-wide, it would have cancelled out self-ID. We would have had to basically, how it works here, I mean, I'm, no, I'm not a legal mind, but it was something about bringing in all the attorney generals. It was going to be very expensive. You know, we were talking like to start with like a quarter of a million dollars sort of thing. So there's going to be crazy fundraising that we were going to do for it. But it basically would have just cemented women's rights as they have, as, I mean, the Sex Discrimination Act was written in 1984 here, which is sort of an ironic year really at this point. Um, and so, yeah, and and there's obviously been little things added to it or amended over that over the time, but you and things definitely do change you know you you update maternity leave needs and things like that but um gender identity in the sex discrimination is act is not that it's not an update a necessary update i mean it's just it it shouldn't be there um and so yeah so it just you know will it be challenged in court soon enough yes hopefully it will i like there's there's rumbles of other other things happening that will challenge it, which is exciting. Since this has occurred, what has happened then with your app? Because mm. as you're well aware, I again speaking with Michael Biggs the other day, he said something that is hard for feminists to hear, but it's it's still true. I hate to say it. He distinguishes between what was then called transsexualism of the latter half of the 20th century which was largely male surgeons, male advocates, men undergoing these processes to today mm -hmm. from this century on these last 22 years has been a majority 
of females supporting this narrative and females undergoing these treatments. And there's a larger issue. This is not to say that this isn't misogyny or whatnot. We know that loads of women are self-hating. We know that loads of women are what I saw called the other day, like me feminists. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I, I, I honestly, like just quickly, I, I, there's two, it's two different things when you go like the women who are transitioning and the women who are supporting the men who are transitioning. They're two, like, that's two completely separate issues that need to be looked at separately. And maybe there's crossovers, but I mean, there definitely is, but but they are in sort of the, the motivations for it are completely different. Yes, and in fact, one could argue the reason why women are transitioning is brought about such as the paradox that you had to deal with, with this man trying to get into a woman's only space. This man believes himself, this is the irony, he believes himself to be a woman, he's a delusional person, he believes that he loves women because he imitates them, that's part and parcel of misogyny, I hate to break it to him, and the women who support his rights, you, you see this all the time, he's just being his mm. true authentic self, are themselves detached from biological reality in terms of what it means and effects for them. Because a lot of these women pushing this are not mothers. They're not, a lot of women are not over 45, 50 doing this. It's younger, vastly yeah. a 20-something demographic. And a lot of those women age out of that support because they see something. I've had loads of women write me. I've had loads of women write me who said, when you started working on this, I thought you were a transphobe. But now this is what happened yeah. to me. And they tell me their story because there's always that straw that breaks the camel's back moment in this debate where oh, totally. women are like, but he's just, I can pee next to a guy who cares. Well, you care mm -hmm. if it's 2 a.m. and you're drunk or drugged out of your mind in a disco. And like, we've all taken refuge in toilets. My thing is, like, you care if it's the worst man you've ever met in your entire life suddenly saying he's a woman. That's how you make them understand. Because they're all just thinking of these, like, gentle, victimized, you know, people who males who now comes up I can't even think of them in that light but anyway whatever you know it is what it is and I'm like okay cool whatever like cutesy lovely gentle feminine image you have in your mind with the with self-id and this sort of continuum social contagion and rapid onset gender dysphoria which it's not gender dysphoria is it but this social contagion of misogyny mm -hmm. and autogynophilia, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, it's like just think of the worst guy you've ever known because some of these horrible men who are doing this ask that there is a woman in the world that's the worst man she's ever met. She's petrified of him. So, you know, it's a thing of could I pee next to a guy? You know, nine out of 10 scenarios, probably I'd be fine with it, but that's not the point. The point of it is, is that we need to have safe spaces for certain things because of just the, the differences of these two demographics in a whole, the differences between males and females. And so, you know, has a certain wave of feminism sort of confused that and by saying we're exactly the same and blah, blah, blah. 
I don't know. I, I don't know if that has that much to do with this, to be honest, because where the whole thing of once you would you'd have thought that the whole, like, you know you're a trans man or a trans woman because the sexes are different. So I, I I don't sort of blame feminism and all of this stuff that I think there's a bit of misogyny and all of that as well that gets thrown into it. Well, I don't read Michael's comments as being necessarily misogynist at all. I think, I think the problem here is the following. And sometimes it's, it really is coincidence in many respects, because obviously women, we were fighting for our rights and many women were saying there's, there's basically no difference between the sexes aside that obviously I don't think many women were saying women couldn't have children, but that was translated by even politicians to mean that women and men are exactly the same. And some people have criticized feminism as giving a gateway to trans narratives of, well, if we really are the same, then what does it take for me to be the same as you? If, you know, then you get into the arguments about women who don't have children, women without uteri, women who are menopausal. I try to have a lot of empathy for women who are all in on gender ideology. They're very frustrating. I try to view them in the same way that, you know, thinking of like, oh, there were women who were against women getting the right to vote. Um, you know, th there's always been women who are against, you know, our own interests. Um, and I think that there's some of these women who genuinely, they just don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what this whole issue is actually about. They haven't, thought about it or read about it or anything like that and that's fine everyone leads busy lives if you're not sort of dedicating your time to this you're never going to know oh little one. oh yeah um <laughs> um and so yeah so it's like they then there's some who i think are fully aware of what's going on but they that a survival instinct is kicking in. They know that if they say what we say, they're going to get attacked and some women can't cope with that. And I think a lot of women would prefer to be, you know, when I say attacked, I mean like verbally like online attacked or like, you know, like have someone say, like a woman say that she's an idiot or a woman be mean to her than a man be mean to them. Because when a man is mean to us, it's, it's quite scary, you know, especially in person, if in your social circle, in your real life. When a woman's mean to you, it's not nearly as scary overall and your life's very rarely going to be threatened so I think that I think there's lots it's complicated and there's lots of reasons do I think that once the social social contagion breaks and it's just no longer cool to believe this that everyone will just like forget they ever did it yeah and I would I wouldn't even really talk about it that much I wouldn't really care I would just ignore it if it was just an annoying group of people in the background on the internet saying the stupid shit I wouldn't care. I only care because laws are being changed because they're putting it in school and they're, it's in the medical profession and they're changing children's bodies and, and they're making laws about this stuff and they're tearing families apart. So I care. If it was just some guys, even if it was a million men that were just that were suddenly getting surgery and walking around saying they were women and everyone was just kind of going like, oh yeah. But say they were just doing that, they weren't trying to go into female spaces, they weren't trying to go into female sport, they were just walking around saying they were women in sort of just, you know, in title only kind of thing. I'd ignore them. I'd have fun. I don't care. I don't care if a guy wants to go and get a boob job. 
I care if that if he tries to go into a female-only space. I care if he takes a woman's place in sport. And I care, I do care about language. I do. Because already, like I, I'm at the point, I use I, for a while there, I was saying female a lot. And it's just actually in the last few weeks, I'm like, no, it's no, I'm saying women. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, that's your problem. I'm not going to use female to say women. I'm not giving up the word. Because the moment you give up, and you give an inch and they take a mile. Well, you see this in the language that's used when people say biological male. I said, why are you yeah. saying that? That's like saying H2O water. <laughs> we don't have to <laughs> emphasize what is patently yeah. a truism. So, and I've, I've done it. I, I, and I, I know I've done it. And that's what you don't even realize that this sort of bullshit has crept into your life because you're just trying to be clear um and you shouldn't have to be man woman that should be like I even had someone today um say something like you know why don't we say like penis have here and and vagina have over then I was like no no we don't need to we have words for that it's male and female mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we don't need anything else we've got it and the people that say oh language evolves yes language does evolve it hasn't here though it just it simply hasn't this is not like this like natural evolution in society where um you know, because, you know, there's different things and different concepts evolve. Like, so the concept of privacy has is the one, the definition I always, and the word I was, um, example I always give. Because before like social media and social networking and stuff, the concept of privacy for the internet was so different. Now what we're, we're willing to put out there about our lives and what privacy actually means to a person. That is a, that is a word and a concept that really has evolved. The concept of woman and the word woman has not evolved. It's just trying to be stolen. And it's just, there's not a person on this planet that is treating or trying to insist that trans men are men. It's just not happening. The only time we ever hear about these people is when they're pregnant. Exactly. And this is what I wanted to raise right now, because just as Michael separated the movement from the transsexual movement of the latter half of the 20th century to what we're living now, being buttressed now by women, even though there's loads of misogynists in on this. I mean, I'm not even saying that most of the supporters yeah. are necessarily yeah, even yeah. women. They conveniently don't do studies on anything that included. But what is interesting is this, and this is an argument I've been making for years now, that they are making women pay who claim to be men, right? These trans men in air quotes, they're making them pay for the movement in their bodies because we know statistically speaking, these women are getting yeah. to use their sanitized terms top and bottom surgery we've got to stop using those terms as well don't you find that interesting that it's it's most women that are having surgeries yep and they're doing it and this is why they home in on the children i've known this since mm, the beginning yes. the reason is this men including mm -hmm. the man who made the complaint with the australian human rights commission against mm -hmm. giggle Named Tickle. I found that funny. That was hilarious. It was I mean, so stupid, wasn't it? I mean, imagine <laughs> a judge reading the docket would have burst I out know, laughing. It would have been, I, I would never have been able to keep a straight face. I would have burst out laughing in court. But anyway, so go on. This is where these men who are aging, they transitioned in their 30s, their mm -hmm. 40s, above. They're aging and they look like men. And the reason why they look mm -hmm. like men is very simple. It's biological. When you yeah. give testosterone, even if you and I were to take it today, it would change a lot of our bodies very quickly. And I don't just mean facial hair. It will mm. change the jaw, jaw structure. It will change the face. We will get masculine attributes that 
estrogen simply does not have that strength for changing males' bodies. But it just, it's simply, like, even I talked to Buck Angel, and I, and I really like Buck. I talked to Buck Angel recently. Um, Buck passes as a trans man. Buck doesn't, you know what I mean? Like the trans men pass as trans men. I think they pass slightly better than trans women. And one of the reasons for that is facial hair because it it disguises a lot. You know, it, you're sort of just hiding behind it. I and mean, you just see facial, like a beard and you're out men. Um, it's why there's a lot of men who think, you know, they just see fake boobs and they go, oh, woman. Whereas we can tell it's a man from a mile away. True. But this is why the men are behind the movement. The women are the window dressing. They're the ones, you know, these men always say, would you want this person in your toilet? And they show a woman who's transitioned, who's got a full beard. Would you want him in your stall? Well, a lot of the women, including a lot of lesbians say, of course, she's a woman. Now, does Buck Angel allow people to call her she? We've talked about this. We've talked about this. I told Buck, I called Buck, she when I'm not in, in her presence, because I, why would I use a pronoun in when I'm talking to her on like a Zoom call or something? Um, and I've said, my, I, I, I really do like Buck as a person. He's lovely, lovely and very funny. And, and he's one of those people that brightens a room when, when you see him. Um, well, her, <laughs> there you guys did it then. Um, but I, I, I'm like, it's just no disrespect to you personally. I don't even want it framed that way anymore. No one is, no one, I don't care who you are. No one is telling me how I can speak. And the thing is, is it just men and women are not just what we look like. There are biological realities. And Buck is one who's very, very across all this. And there's lots of trans men out there that are actually very rational. I would argue more rational than the other side of this. Um, and, but I, I do find that one of my most controversial opinions, I think actually, is I think, that the de- male male detransitioners, so just the guys who thought they were women, the one, and then now they've come to their senses. I think <laughs> that they are going to change it and really bring attention to everything more than the women detransitioners. And my reason for this, and it's especially for the ones that have have been castrated. Um, I mean, I just can't. I, I I can't fathom living with that level of regret. I, they are very strong people and they've really been wronged and I I just have I want to change everything for them I I want to make the world better for them I I just I just pains me but I think the males are going to get the attention when people start listening like when when more of them start speaking up because there's no rights movement that is connected to a male removing his penis and testicles it just doesn't there's no liberation movement there's there's nothing positive that's ever been attached to that. Whereas with the woman's side of it, um, we've spent decades saying we don't have to have children um, or we don't want them. And I'm all for this. I choose. I mean, I only had a baby at 37. Um, and so that's it was sort of the hysterectomy element of, you know, the sort of the not able to have children. And then sort of the mastectomy part of it is we spend this time saying, you know, don't look at our boobs. We don't want to be sexualized in this way. And so then, you know, you, we've taken, there's someone that taken them away. And I, I just don't think it's, it's um, breaking through to people because they can see that they misguided, but I think that they're trying to like silver lining it or something. And, and so, but the, the male detransitioners just 
cut through to the core of it and you just go, I'm sorry, what? And yeah, that's probably my most controversial opinion on all of this. But and I hope that people really do start listening. And it comes back to say, like John Stewart, like did John has John Stewart just never ever has read a testimonial of a detransitioner, possibly. I mean, he's either never read one or he's ignored has and he's just dismissed it. Either way, it means he's ill-equipped to talk on the issue. You should never you don't put a program out there to millions of people if you're that uneducated on an issue. You're listening to Savage Minds, and we hope you're enjoying the show. Please consider subscribing. We don't accept any money from corporate or commercial sponsors, and we depend upon listeners and readers just like you. Now, back to our show. I know that GLAD in the U.S. has a person who went to Hollywood specifically to work with screenwriters and to mm. infuse trans characters within all the narratives. And we've saw it the last decade. We've seen every show on the planet have a trans character. And it was sort of out of left wing sometimes, like girls. I was really enjoying the show. And then one of them, the sister's daughter, becomes a boy. And I'm just like, what? What's this? You know, it was really... Yeah. It was a drip, drip, drip of an ideology where it wasn't even necessary. And I do wonder if that's why the show wasn't canceled, because I had problems just wanting to watch the show because I felt like I was being programmed, even though the other narratives were perfectly fine. That you know what? That's how I am with it now. I can't I can't watch anything with it in whereas like say if you go back to like shows like say like Will and Grace, for example. Um, which was kind of like a groundbreaking show. I, I, I revisited it. I don't, it wasn't ideological. It, 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 how normal it was and unideological, I suppose, was, how, was why it was so special. It was so great. And it just made, you know, this great acceptance for um, gay men. Actually very lesphobic in the show. I will say that's my one big criticism of it. They're really mean to lesbians. But, but yeah, but now when you're watching stuff with, the QT plus element in a show, it's just indoctrination. It's just, it's ideology. It's just like this like checklist of things. They don't even, it's like exposition. They don't even like creatively find ways to say it. Someone may as well just sit there and read it off a palm card and just directly to the camera. And so telling, telling you, this is what you have to believe. And you feel like you're a conspiracy theorist when you say this kind of stuff. Cause I just, I know that even you know, just a few years ago, I would have heard someone speaking like this and being like, surely like you're crazy. But then, then I, as I check in with myself all the time, I'm like, am I crazy? And then I'm like, no, I'm currently trying to help get a male sex offender out of a woman's prison. This is actually happening. And so I don't, and I think that there are some people who might've gotten into this thinking that they were just helping and they just wanted, you know, equality for some, you know, blokes who like wearing frocks and and thought they'd be doing a good thing and didn't think that it would get to this point but now they can't get out it's such a dangerous poisonous ideology that does render anyone who accepts it you know just an idiot just brain dead it's astounding I've never seen anything like it well, he has, as you noted, the people coming straight out of often Ivy League schools they're coming out of elite institutions yeah. for sure they're not getting this at universities in the states where the bulk of students are coming from working class backgrounds 
Those are the kids mm. that are taking business administration courses. They couldn't mm. be bothered about literary studies. And I don't want to just blame those taking literary or cultural studies. My best friend, this is, it sounds really random that I didn't know this until recently. My best friend of like the last five years, she um, is from Connecticut originally when we lived together in New York. She went to college at Mount Holyoke, which is like the oldest women's college in America or something, but is all in on this stuff. And when she, this was like early 2010s when she was there, if not, she's only two years younger than me. So it must've been late 2000s when she was there. There was two, like the trans men thing had already started and it was this whole thing of like, but they were at the time trying to allow, have these trans men be able to stay at the university, like on campus. And so the university was like, yeah fine they're women <laughs> who cares but she had to start when I, she realized what was happening around the same time I did and she had to start unpacking things and it was from then she realized that she'd been indoctrinated into this stuff from university days and so she was unlearning a lot and felt very manipulated by you know the people that were supposed to have her best interest at all so she thought and that was supposed to educate her and she just felt that that hasn't happened there's a whole generation of people who've been indoctrinated within this, but yeah. beyond the students going to these elite institutions, there are a lot of people who are working full time in academia, not just professors. You have this, and we've seen it in the UK with the cases of Maya Forstater, for instance, but beyond yeah. that, the capture is everywhere. If it can be in that think tank that has offices between the US and the UK, and one can feasibly not have one's contract renewed because one recognizes that sex is immutable, that humans are not Nemo, that we're not clownfish, then where does this end? And the other day I spoke with an American political scientist on this issue. He's really good analysis. Here was one of my issues. He took issue with my calling the transgender narrative and ideology. But what else mm -hmm. is it since there is no science to it there is no truth exactly. to it. All these institutions from the legal to the medical have refused to do long-term studies and follow-up. So they of course can say there's no desistance, there's no reversal, there's no regret because they just fuck off with their statistics. They don't give a shit about these people. I said to him, I said, you don't see men being called by official government health agencies, by NGOs purporting to care for male cancer. You don't see them being called prostate havers, testicle havers, low danglers, weenie, weenie <laughs> havers. You don't see any of it. My favorite, well, I made this up, front noodlers. You don't <laughs> see men being called these very dehumanizing terms. Yeah. Flip the coin yeah. though, and you see on, from the 2015-16 moment onward, we saw a lot of these folks, the trans advocates on Twitter saying, but you're a biological reductionist. Uh, no, you're the one calling me a uterus carrier. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm just, I hate it. when it, It's so frustrating when you see that in this narrative of like, oh, you're just, like they'll say to us, oh, you're reducing women to their body parts because we're saying that, you know, women have penises. But at the same time, they will say that oh, they'll call us uterus havers or vulva owners and all, all of that shit. Um, and it's actually, I read a really great thing about it recently, actually. It is actually all part of the effort to deconstruct that separate the woman from the body that's the whole plan mm -hmm. um 
in one sense of all of this is to that there's no concept of a female basically and that's the danger once there's no concept of a female what are we we're at the absolute mercy of the people who define us which is terrifying and those people will be front noodlers this is the paradox all the women on the front line cheering because they're like me feminists or they're like me women What they don't understand is this isn't The Bachelor. No one's going to marry them and save them. They're tanking it for all of us. And I have this discussion with my wife quite a bit because sometimes she gets annoyed by the fact that I write letters of complaint about Mm. I had to deal with a xenophobic, oh my God, a xenophobic, racist, and homophobic GP that Mm. said the most atrocious things to me earlier this year when I was the victim of poisoning. Well, I told my wife, I said, do you think that you have rights because people are just generous? No. Women had to get in the way of horses for the right to vote. Women had to die. Women had to starve themselves in prison. Women had to turn popular opinion against the men making decisions to keep them locked up. The fact Mm -hmm. that we have toilets is a very recent innovation, in air quotes, innovation, you know. We were, it was convenient to these men, to society, to keep us at home. It is convenient, as I wrote in my recent piece on the London School of Economics, related to the pedophile on the Board of Trustees of Mermaids, who is employed by the LSE, that the London School of Economics, with its gender studies, airy-fairy department, they know what a woman is because Mm -hmm. I sat for an interview when I was seven months pregnant with my son in 2015, and I can tell you, that when they said I was the top candidate for that job, can you start on September 1st? And I said, yes, but around the 26th, I'm going to have to take a couple of days off. And they said, why? I realized they not only didn't realize I was pregnant, <laughs> I was wearing a black shirt. It wasn't really that loose, but whatever. Very, I was very pregnant. I pointed to my belly and, you know, talk about turn that frown upside down. It was the inverse. These women went from being so elated to the dog shut the carpet, as I wrote in my piece. And I never got the job. The way I was handled by the university's human resources department was abysmal. I was forced to sign an NDA in return for paltry sum, which is not what I wanted. I had asked the department in the UK that precedes an employment tribunal that you must go through. You have no choice but to go through them. What would you like? They asked me. And I said, well, I'd like the job and I'd like for the LSE to not do this again. I'd like that they train everyone, not just hiring committees, that they train people about mm-hmm. sex-based discrimination. It was no to both. Why can't I have the job? We, they've already offered it to someone. I said, well, of course, that's called what has happened here. I'm coming to you because of this. The reality is that these institutes, these universities, these private secondary schools, because it's also taught there, they are peddling snake oil because mm-hmm. they're peddling to the class, the clientele of people who, like Warren Beatty's daughter, can go on to produce films and he's got his foot in Hollywood. So does, you know, Annette Benning. They are not going to lose anything. They have no skin in the game. They're not going to have their daughter in a prison with a rapist. They're not going to have to go to a public YMCA to swim with a man with his dick hanging out. They're not going to have their daughter, even if she identifies as a transgender man, air quotes, having to compete at a swim meet against a six foot three man. 
This is the biggest bullshit narrative of all time because it's being peddled, yes, by the TAs themselves, but it's also being peddled by a load of people who have no skin in the game, who aren't gay, who aren't trans, and they love it because it makes them money. Oh, 100%. 100%. One of my favorite quotes in, on the whole thing about this is from Dave Chappelle, who, and it's, I'm paraphrasing. Like I'm paraphrasing the quote slightly. I'm in my delivery will never be his, but he said, he says, if white men weren't doing it, no one would pay attention. This is a white man's game. If you wanted to yeah. go into even the identity politics of it, it's a white man's game without a doubt. Um, and you've got, yeah, I mean, even just Jamie Lee Curtis has been talking about her son who thinks he's a woman um, recently. And, you know, you, you see pictures of this individual, one, just clearly looks like a dude and two dresses like a pornified version of a woman. So you're just like, oh, and it's, I'm like, I'm, it could like, you guys didn't even realize that you're just like parading your porn addiction around that we can tell. <laughs> um, and I think one of the things and I thought about this a lot, like with the um, human rights complaint thing of why they get so angry at us. Um, so in Australia, for example, to get your birth, uh, at the time to get your birth certificate changed to female, you actually had to have the full surgery. So I have to assume that this, the individual who did the human rights complaint has had the full surgery. And, you know, I mean, it must be horrible on a human level if you go and cut your penis off and then some girl turns around and calls says, oh, you're not a woman, you're a man. You know, you've really done everything. You know, you, you've, you've done something so big um, and, you know, you've been promised. So this, I think it's pure evil to tell children and vulnerable adults that you can change sex and then to take money from them and perform surgeries that don't do that. It's just, it, so, you know, even someone who I really, you know, really don't like, someone who was to take me to do a human rights complaint against me, I'm like, you are, this person is a victim of this. I feel very sorry for them. They have been grossly misinformed and used by the medical community and I, I, I just I hate it I, I, I hate it for all involved that's what I say to everyone who says it's mean to not use preferred pronouns I'm like let's be let's be very clear here nobody has a pronoun you don't actually own your own pronouns look yeah. at me if I I mean I sort of want them to pass a law that makes misgendering illegal because I'd be as wealthy as Bill Gates with my name so there's that but let's put that <laughs> so aside true. I tell these people all the time, oh, daily I get Mr. Vigo, uh, but I tell these people mm. all the time, you know who's really mean here? You cheerleading these people. This is mm, cruel. Yes. And in history, you will not go down well. Because I'll tell you something that's very different, even though comparisons are made between this lobby and the era of electroshock therapy from, yeah. let's just say, Frances Farmer, what happened to her, to mm. all the gay men, mostly some women who were put into these mental institutions to be shocked into heterosexuality. What we didn't have, and this is going to be a bad look for all of you on Twitter where we're screwing, you know, not me, but loads of feminists are screen capping these people. Mm -hmm. You did not have people outside of these mental hospitals with signs saying, shock the fuck out of my gay brother. You didn't have the public pushing this on because to the detriment of what we mm -hmm. know today about that era, the public was completely uninformed. People yeah. did not know what was happening. And, and Frances Farmer, I mean, she was raped in her mental institution by one of the workers at the hospital. So people will watch that movie with Jessica Lane and they'll be horrified about what happened to her, let's say. But at the same time, from the other side of their mouth, 
they'll be like, well, there's no harm in having men in women's prisons. They are more concerned about the feelings of men, yes. really, than the safety of women. This is why in the article I wrote about the LSE, I began with my proposition of what I knew for years, that there were two fluffy white kittens in the room. And it was always going to be sports and children. Because when you cross mm. sports, even men don't like that. In fact, it's really sad to say that men woke up over Hannah Mouncey, not over Sally being raped in her prison cell in Texas. And then yes. children. People don't like the idea of children being chemically castrated, surgically operated, told that if they like gardening, they must be, well, what do you do with that one? If you like making cookies, what do you do with that? No, I honestly think most people, the, the things that are happening to children, it's so outrageous that most people think it's not true because it can't possibly be. I've had a this conversation just really lightly with my auntie, who's like, you know, early seventies and, and she's dipping her toes into asking what's happening for, for three, the last three years, she hasn't wanted to know. When I started to tell her, she was just like the look of horror on her face and of like, of her going like, you could see her thinking, I want to go back to two minutes ago when I didn't know this. It was a better time. Yeah. Um, because it's that horrific. And I said to her, I was like, you haven't even seen the pictures yet. Because I, I can't look at them. I can't look at the pictures of the young girl's chest. I, it breaks my heart and I find it, it just looks barbaric. Um, did, did you see what has happened in Parliament yesterday in the UK? Yeah, UK, yeah. What I've always been saying about this as well, I said, isn't it phenomenal? I'm in the gay community. And we yeah. were told when these laws were made against gay conversion therapy, that this was criminal. But how many years has it taken? to launch criminal investigations into what was clearly, because back in 2013 and 14, I was saying there is no such thing as having a true gender identity, because it, the minute you accept that is the minute you accept what's happening to children at mermaids. And it's gay conversion therapy versus what they're calling a refusal to accept one's true gender identity. They're at conflicts. They're at odds. It must feel odd when you're a child. Like, I mean, even if you're just in your 10, even an early teenager and you're being just taught that everyone has a, a gender identity and things like that. I mean, you could just assume that this is always taught. It's been taught forever that everyone thinks this way, uh, except for these, you know, bigoted, weird people over here. But if, <laughs> if that's just what you're being told by, you know, the people in authority, they're not going to sit there going, oh, because they don't have the point of reference to go, oh, this is new. This has only been happening for like the last five years. They're just going to assume that it's been happening forever. So, of course, then they're going to go, oh, okay, so hang on, this has been happening forever. And, oh, boys can be girls and girls can be boys. So they're not being given the context of this, which makes it even crueler. And so, yes. no, I think the people who are pushing it belong in prison. I honestly do. I think that they belong in prison. I agree. Well, a lot of people are saying, well, mermaids started off differently. And some people say they changed course in 2015-16. I'm like, no, they didn't. I spoke to them in March or February of 2013. I wrote what they said. I wrote mm. what that woman said at mermaids. And if you can't see homophobia in someone saying, if your son wants to play in a Wendy house, he must be mm. a girl. With the statistics that we do have, thanks to the sacrifices made by Kenneth Zucker and the fact that he was railroaded by this massively fatuous, dishonest lobby. Let's just say mm. what it is because they've invented everything. That's why Michael Biggs' work on the suicide, suicide statistics is so important, as well as his recent debunking of other nonsense coming from Jack Turban. So mm. we've mm -hmm. got what 
is a clear, I call it a waffling of fake news. And I used this example the other day that if I write a paper that I say pink elephants can fly, and then you, Sal, write a paper quoting my paper saying that pink elephants can fly, after a bit of people citing your or my paper or the person who cites your paper citing my paper, they're going to go up in Google rankings, and this is a fact, the fake articles, the unsubstantiated fake bullshit that's been published to include that piece of shit that Nature, one of the world's most important science publications, ran Paisley Kura's nonsensical fiction. Even though it was an op-ed, again, a lot of people whose reading depth only lasts 240 characters will see Paisley Kura in Nature and say, oh... I guess she has it right. We've got serious problems in science where that chain of who refers to whom is being buttressed by the very people kicking us off of social media. And you know, Maya Forstater is now kicked off of Twitter. What the fuck? I don't so, think it's permanent. I do, is it, is oh. it just a suspension? I don't think it's permanent. <laughs> well, look at us talking about, I feel like I'm in high school. How long is she suspended? I know, I hope smoking? it's not permanent. I mean, it's, it's outrageous either way. I got a 12 yeah. hour suspension the other day, actually. They removed it after three hours because I appealed it. And because they had said it was abuse and harassment because I'd said die turfs in the, in the tweet, but I was quoting what they do to us. So well, that's the thing. And then the people who say die in a fire turfs, they're still up I there. They don't get, it's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it is. No, well, years ago, I wrote a piece for the Huffington Post about this. The fact that women are kicked off of Twitter, but rape them and tape them tweets are still up there. Rape them and tape them. And there was with photos, FYI. I had somebody um, come after me with pictures of like, like my last name's Grover and I had this, you know, the, the Sesame Street Muppet Grover, which, I mean, I've had a Grover toy. My daughter now has one. I've had a Grover toy since the day I was born. Like it's just like family tradition. Um, and, but I had this person coming at me, they um, make like Photoshop Grover in a noose and they were sending me these things. And I kept reporting them to Twitter being like, can you, can you, can you stop this? But I was blocking the person, but they just kept doing it. They kept making accounts and doing it. And um, no, it wasn't violating their rules, apparently. Well, you're lucky you got a response from them. Because of lockdown, I've had very limited interaction on that, which was good in many respects, given the psychological stress of lockdown. But one mm -hmm. thing that has stood out to me about this, aside from this being post 2000, a largely female demographic, both su supporting this in terms of the figureheads. I'm thinking Polly Carmichael, Judith Butler, Judith Butler and her nonsensical interviews where I've always joked about this saying, has she read herself? Um, mm -hmm. Because I don't think Judith Butler's read Judith Butler because her early work is definitely not about people going out and getting sex changes. I'm going to use that 70s term because I think it's useful. You've talked a bit about the sexism you faced, especially when you were in Hollywood. Now, yeah. there are people who, again, this was happening when I was dealing with the trans lobby on Twitter around 2014, 15. They were saying that feminists were involved as a means of competing in the oppression Olympics. And I would say to these men, look, I've been to your spaces. I've been 
to, oh, what's that website? It's called Susan's Place. Have you been to Susan's Place? Don't go on a a full stomach. It's the most fetishistic, misogynist website out there. If I were to go to a straight on Pornhub site, I would find less misogyny. Let's put it that way. So I told these guys, this isn't about oppression Olympics. What you are doing is woman face claiming that it's the Victor Victoria thing, but you're claiming that we just don't see you clearly. At least in Victor Victoria, Julie Andrews knew she was a woman pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman. Here, you want us to go along with that fiction and to STFU. So this has become a full 360 of men performing us, saying that Katie Montgomery, we do it better than you. They are better than us. Hence, we're cis. We're second class citizens in our own sex class. And we defer to them. Oh, Katie, please tell me how to dress today. How should I tilt my head for that photo? You notice there are 1950s photos. They're always tilting with the hands under the chin. And we see through it. You see through it. You've worked in Hollywood. Can -hmm. you discuss a bit about how your experience with sexual harassment in that profession did your head in, but in a way informed you about how to handle this lobby? Completely, completely trained me for this. Um, I mean, everything I'm doing now is basically inspired by that. I mean, it's what made me want to create a digital female-only space is because in the sort of, as Me Too was emerging and I was talking to other women in Hollywood, we were realizing that if we'd been able to speak to each other, if there was a place where we could have gone to talk about this, um, that it was like the conversation was welcomed and we wouldn't be judged or be seen by men or anything, we would have, um, it would have happened earlier or at the very least we wouldn't have thought we were the only ones going through it because industries like Hollywood they're designed to be very isolating like I honestly when I was constantly being sexually harassed and assaulted I thought I was the only person it was happening to because that's how they make you feel like it's only you that it's happening to because either you brought this on yourself or you deserve it or whatever and and then you'll see like there'll always be like that one woman they allow to um be being successful at the time you know because it's like they have to have some going through um so that it doesn't you know so it's not obvious um and so it would make us feel worse about ourselves at the same time like and don't be wrong like all the women there experience just absolute hell and I'm sure that there are some women who can just handle it better and I did um struggle for a long time with angry at myself that I wasn't able to cope with it but I just couldn't I mean I was getting groped and and outright abused it got it was almost daily by the end it was just horrible and I couldn't write anymore because writing meant I was going to be in rooms with these men and it just yeah it was horrible and now I just you know for being getting so attacked and essentially cancelled for creating an app for women I just feel like my entire professional life has been dodging attacks from men I mean I it just sort of is what it is like, I, I I I can handle it in a few ways because like you know I suppose I because I had therapy to recover from the trauma of sexual assault and harassment so this is kind of nothing just on a personal level um compared to that so I you know if someone does insult me online or something like that I'm like yeah cool whatever um, but I'm also, I'm just, it, my determination is just so much more than it has ever been because I'm like, no, misogynists took one career away from me. They're not taking another. So when I, you know, obviously I come at this, you know, from the 
the personal and political aspect of like, I want to protect women's rights. I am a woman. I now have a daughter. I want all women to have rights. This is really important to me. But then I also have like the business element of it. And I we didn't create this app in um, response to what is happening into how important female spaces have actually become due to this horrible debate and mess and whatever it is. Um, and, you know, when in 2000, end of 2018, 19, when we would started developing the app and it was getting built and everything, you know, we were getting investors on board and everything. We didn't know what was happening. It just wasn't in Australia yet. I mean, laws were being changed, but it was definitely not in the mainstream. I was in the like little liberal bubble. I just, I didn't, it was not something I was aware that was actually going on. I was still in a very me too world, I suppose. And um, yeah, I like, so now there's sometimes like it's, oh gosh, it's like the weight on your chest because yeah, I have, but just business-wise, I have people I answer to. And when you get cancelled and suddenly no media will talk to you, no online platform will run your ads, nothing, nothing. We we would, at one point, we, there was Facebook, Google, Twitter, everything had banned our ads. We were completely banned from them all, from advertising on them. Um, and, you know, you just go, well, what do you do? We're actually in the process right now where don't, no one listening to this, don't even go and download the app. We're actually, it's semi-closed down right now. We're actually rebranding and we're launching a website element of it. We're um, doing a tablet version and then obviously then the app want to still be female only and lesbian dating and Twitter for women only. And just we've learned so much in the last few years and we're streamlining it all and it's just all exciting. And so as stressful and horrible as it all is, we just you know, we've learned so much. Females only spaces, as I said, have only become more important. And so I just, I try to look at the positives. Sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> like today, like just the, the last two days have been hard because we're just trying to get this man out of this woman's prison. And it's just, you would think that you would at least find one compassionate person in a position of power to, to do something about it. And at the moment there's none. And so I'm feeling a bit disillusioned by that. Well, I saw a letter, it was shared online. I, in yeah. fact, earlier this week interviewed Catherine Deves. Oh, and yeah. It was about this very subject by Penny yeah. Wong, I believe. And yeah. what the hell? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I've been, as I said, blocked by politicians online over this. Um, the Australian Human Rights Commission told us to contact the Victorian Human Rights Commission, who then told us that there's nothing that they can do. And you're like, so what's the point of you? I mean, the Australian Human Rights Commission would come after me and uphold a complaint by a man who claims to be a woman who wants to go on an app for women. They they spent their time with that. They dedicated man hours to that, but they won't do anything about getting a male, a convicted male rapist out of a woman's prison. Are you, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. I, I, I just don't think, you know, if they wanted to, they would. If they wanted to bring attention to it, they would. They obviously don't. Um, because if you... If you need to insist to everybody that trans women are women, well, this is you have to then go, yeah, well, you're going to get some male rapists in women's prisons. What are you going to do about it? They can't admit that it's wrong because it, everything will come falling down. They cannot admit. So, I mean, I was talking, Kath and I have been talking about it. I'm saying, like, you just have to get more and more attention brought to it because watching these people try to justify and defend having a male sex offender in a woman's prison will pique everybody. Because they'll just sound so damn stupid, but they don't want any attention brought to it. They know they can't defend it. So, yeah, it is what it is. 
Well, there is a, a denial in all of our societies, however, to discuss sexual violence against women. And I mm. had a man say to me, well, feminists exaggerate it. And you know, I said to him, sit down for this one. Think of your mother, yeah. her mother, her mother, her mother, just, just a few generations. Mm. In all likelihood, one of your female five generations up relatives, if not two of them have been raped. And he was looking at me. Oh, only had that reaction. Yeah. And all of them have been sexually harassed. All of them. I know no yeah. woman who said she has never been sexually harassed. And we look at what rape means today, because we use these words like pedophilia. Well, let's call it what it is. It's rape of children, sexual yeah. assault, the difference in many countries, such as the US between sexual assault and rape. Again, people are making a big difference if it's a bottle or a penis, whatever. Mm -hmm. These are violent crimes. And when you start to look at where rape is most common, it makes people extremely uncomfortable because it's not law and order SVU on the streets of New York and Central Park. It's in the family. And so when you look back to those five generations of women, the sexual assault happening to women and girls and to boys is almost always located in the family. Yeah. And this is something that people are so uncomfortable to discuss. And I have to wonder if that sock drawer to arrange, as I like to compare this to, is always thrown to women. It's our task to fix the sock drawer, not men's, because it's an inconvenient truth that implicates them and them alone. Why should we be cleaning up their mess? Why can't there be mandatory schooling of boys in their sex ed classes to understand not just sexual assault, not just consent, but beyond that? Let's talk about the history of rape. Let's talk about the, the reason why women don't like war is because we pay for it. The women are not just saying no to war because they don't want their sons being killed. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if that's a good example because men pay for war as well. I mean, men don't. Oh, of course. Oh, I'm not saying they don't. I'm talking about yeah. just the sexual, the okay, rape yeah, aspect yeah, yeah. of it. I'm not saying, oh, no, war is bad for men, obviously. Yeah. They are the ones who pay for it with their bodies in every way. But when you look at what happened in the 90s, during the war in the former Yugoslavia, the rapes that... I got to a point around, oh, in the early 90s where I had to turn off my radio NPR. I couldn't listen anymore. Yeah. And I was just in defiance of reality at that point because I did not want to wake up every morning to more rape stories. But this is the reality that we don't want to address. Obviously, war is bad. Mm. But then, ironically, you've got Biden being trolled online these days because all the trans allies are pissed off because he said that transgender women have to register for selective service. The Pentagon knows what a man is, right? Of course. I mean, but they only know what a man, they only think they're women when in relation to women's spaces. They actually don't, and women's sports, they don't think they're women in any other way when it comes to much they get paid or positions of, you know, you know, being CEO or anything like that. It, it, it's, it's nonsense. And it just, it just shows, it just constantly shows it's just nonsense. Um, and it's just making our job is basically to wake people up to the nonsense. If you're going to get into arguments with people about like, you know, into like really metaphysical arguments or whatever, it's, it's you're you are playing, you know, playing their game. Basically, you just have to say to people, show them the evidence. That's it. Leave the room. 
let mm-hmm. them come to their own conclusions. Most thinking adults will come to the same right conclusions. What do you see happening there in Australia? Because the UK has made great progress. And if we can get a yeah. criminal investigation of mermaids to finally enforce what the law states, that that conversion therapy of gay boys and girls is wrong. Meanwhile, you there, many states in the US have women fighting to free women of men in their prisons. What do you see happening in Australia to get this moving? I see that I think that it, I think that there's going to come a point, hopefully sooner rather than later, and I think it will be that the there will be a high court case against the Sex Discrimination Act and the gender identity clause will be removed. I, I think that's what will happen. I think it will be pretty swift. Um, I, Australia is very spread out, and the population is obviously very spread out. Um, but the pockets of people who are for this—I mean, it's really in a city. You know, it just normal everyday people like that are living lives in suburbs and small towns and all that—they are not for this shit. You know, they've got real. They've got more real stuff. You don't. You don't. They're not just sitting there like on a university campus. You know banging on about this crap um so yeah I think and I think that the way to wake Australians up to it is through sport mm-hmm. um because and then you get their attention with sport and then you can throw things out there like oh there's a male rapist in a woman's prison <laughs> while I've got you um but yeah we, we're such yeah. an athletic and sporty country that I that sport is the way to do it um and I just, I think that, you know, for example, like the Australian Institute of Sport, the head of that, Kieran Perkins, he's all for trans women and women's sports. And it's like, well, then you're not fit for the role. You shouldn't have that job. Because if you're going to actually dismantle women's sports when you're in the head of the women, the, basically the Sporting Association of Australia, then you, you shouldn't be able to do that job. Well, I have an idea of advocacy that you might use on this person, because I thought of this the other day. I wrote it on my Facebook page. I said, we need to use their tactics and get this person on the phone and say, what are you doing in my office? And he will say, what do you mean? And you say, I am you. And he'll be like, what are you talking about? And just identify as them and say, you better get out of my house and give me my car keys and my house keys back or I'm calling the police. Because what they don't realize, it's crazy. You have to out crazy the crazy because they have basically done just that. And we would never accept dial in for murder type of situation where I'm like, Okay, Sal, I'm you. No, but that's what they're doing. It's a very, you said this was the most egregious form mm. of assault on women in your lifetime. And I have to agree, it's invasion of the body snatchers by men in dresses claiming to be us, telling us yes. to ironically shut the fuck up because only men in dresses have a voice. I mean, it's misogyny 101 in drag. Do my thing with the guy, prank him call him <laughs> i agree with you i think that that is the way to do it i think like even um i've seen a few people lately dressing up as these people like this with the, the big boob canadian teacher that they've gone to school <laughs> boys dressed as him there was a mother that went to a meeting the other day dressed in the outfit of the drag queen at story hour and so she was able to show like you know it was such an inappropriate outfit for her to be wearing to a school board meeting and she was like but if it's inappropriate here how is it appropriate at children's story hour she's coming on the show in 10 days oh she's fantastic she's really really fantastic her name is kimberly reichs and when i saw that picture i was like 
Yes. Yeah. Because we need more, more of, of that. that. We so, do. Like, I think that um, coalitions of dads should, um, in any country or state with self-ID, I think that they should go and self-ID, like, pay the $35 or whatever measly amount that it is. Everyone go and change, go and use it. Go and just inundate and change. <laughs> I mean, um, go and change your birth certificates. Can you change it to something that's not a sex? What they're changing it to in where I live. Yes, soon, if this passes, which it will um they're sort of putting it through in stealth um yeah so long as it doesn't include a swear word and it's under 100 characters yeah you can anything so if you want it to be like you know like hippopotamus Rock, rocky road ice cream yeah well, that's what you put it's just it's <laughs> nonsense it's the stupidest thing ever. so like i mean it is it's what's happening well what are you going to change your sex to then um, I would honestly, like, if, if there was a lot of women that would do it with me, I would, like, say for us all to go and change our sex to male and then demand to be treated as such. That would be great. Yeah. Well, I, I would do it. Um, I've, I said this years ago when they introduced this, that a group of women should band together, just like, I don't know if you remember the group in England of women that would put mustaches and fake beards yeah. on and go to the men's swim hour, yeah. Man Friday. I think women should do this to make the point. Yeah. The sad part is that there's no benefit for women to claim to be men now. They would just, you see, you see. Oh, of course. But no, I think they're just going in like sort of when there was the possibility that I was going to go to federal court, I did think that I would um, identify as something ridiculous and have some stupid neo pronouns that they would have to use throughout the whole time I was on the stand <laughs> just because they wouldn't be able to say I wasn't without destroying their whole case. Well, if you had to go on the stand, you should just say, my pronouns are, I'm a moron. So every time someone says you. Yeah, my pronouns are fuck you and use them as use them as such. Thank you very much. And no, but I think because it's so easy to completely tear apart their whole ideology that way. It's that easy to do. I even said to someone the other day, I was like, you could have a guy that agrees with us that could just take us to you know, court for discrimination, just lying through his ass, claiming that he's a woman to, so that we could get the gender identity clause out of the Sex Discrimination Act. And none of them would be able to say he's not a woman without proving our point. So we so arguably get away with it. That's how weak this whole thing is. We've just got to be a little bit creative and I think bold in dismantling it.